It was my um, senior year in high school, senior year in high school, and uh, as the year was coming to a close, um, God laid it on my heart to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with one of my best friends. Uh, he, he wasn't a Christian. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so uh, this one evening, he was spending the night at my house and, and uh, in the midst of video games and playing pool and all this other stuff, I said, hey, can, can I talk to you about something really important? Um, he said, okay. And, and I shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we talked about it. He had some questions. And I did my best as a high schooler uh, to answer uh, his struggles, his doubts, and his questions about Christianity. And at the end of the conversation, he said, um, yeah, I'm not going to be a Christian. In fact, after our conversation, I'm, that, I'm really sure I don't want to be a Christian. It was shocking to me. It's not what I expected, you know. I mean, and that guy would end up being a, a pastor, yeah. good evangelist. Um, and, I, and, and I thought the very next day, I was like, man, God, was that a waste? Why did you convict me? to share Jesus with my friend, if he wasn't going to even accept. If in fact, after that conversation, his heart would be hardened and he would be more convicted not to be a Christian. I like reverse evangelized to him. Have you guys ever done that? I have, right? Have you ever convinced someone not to be a Christian, right? That was me. That was me. And I had to ask, what was the point? What was the point of all of that? And I was bitter at God for a while. I was angry at God for a while. But brothers and sisters, oftentimes such is the work and path for God's workers. As we obey our Lord, as we go where he leads, as we say what he commands us to say, oftentimes the people that we are trying to reach, they will reject us. They will deny us. Their hearts will be hardened towards us and towards God. We see this today in the, in the story of Moses. As we look and learn about Moses, as he confronts Pharaoh, as he's about to reach out to him and speak God's truth to him, we're going to see Moses experience failure, earthly failure, um, as a messenger of God. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 6, verse 28. Exodus chapter 6, verse 28. Sorry, media team, I know it says 7, verse 1, uh, but we're going to start with Exodus chapter 6, verses 28. And to 30, and then we'll go into uh, chapter 7. And the media team's on point. Here we go. May God bless the reading of his holy word. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord, telling, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his hand. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. 
Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Amen. So far, Moses' life has been filled with dramatic ups and downs. As a baby, he escaped Pharaoh's death sentence by being placed in a basket on the Nile, and he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in Pharaoh's courts for 40 years, only to become an outlaw for killing an Egyptian taskmaster. He was then rejected by his own people. He thought he was doing something good for his Hebrew brothers and sisters, and yet they rejected him. So Moses went on the run. He spent 40 more years in the wilderness. He encountered God at the burning bush and was called into service to become Israel's deliverer from slavery. Moses didn't want to do it. He actually, he, he actually kind of protested five times before the Lord at the burning bush. He didn't want to do it. Finally, he did. And he went before Pharaoh to demand the freedom of God's people, but Pharaoh rejected him. And in fact, he doubled the workload for all the Hebrews. He says, you guys want to go into the wilderness and worship? No, in fact, you guys keep making bricks and I'm not going to supply the straw. The Hebrews were beaten because Moses tried to serve God and speak God's truth to Pharaoh. The Hebrews were not happy with Moses after that. They grumbled, they judged, they complained towards Moses. And in our passage today, we see God calling Moses again to serve, to speak, to minister. But Moses doubts God's call to serve one last time. But our God is relentless and steadfast. Church, have you ever experienced God calling you to do something and your response was, I can't, all right? I can't. That's not me. That's not my gifting. That's not my wiring. That's not my ability. Or maybe you didn't even say, I can't. You just said outright, I won't. I will not go on missions. I will not serve in Sunday school, right? I don't even like kids. I'm not going to do Awana, right? I will not serve on hospitality or, or worship team or whatever it might be. Has God ever tugged at your heart, invited you into service, and you just came up with your whole litany of excuses, reasons why you do not want to or you cannot serve him? Maybe God's called you to share the gospel with a family member, a coworker, a classmate, or a friend, and you just say, God, I'm not, I'm not, like a, I'm not a pastor. I'm not that mature. Uh, send someone else. Tell someone else to uh, speak the gospel to that person. Well, as we look into God's word today, we're gonna see one thing ring true. God's call is always accompanied with God's power. God doesn't just call us to serve him. He doesn't just commission us out into ministry. He empowers us as well. He empowers us for that as well. In the beginning of our chapter, in chapter seven, God comes to Moses And he reminds him of his call. And he says, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, all that I say to you. The fact that it was Yahweh, the fact that it was God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob coming to Moses again and speaking to him, that should have been enough, right? That should have been enough for Moses to say, yes, Lord, I obey, right? I obey. But oftentimes, like we do, right, Moses responds to God with self-doubt, 
He responds to God with excuses and he says, behold God, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Another translation for that phrase, uncircumcised lips, because that's really weird. Uh, The NIV says, faltering lips. What Moses was saying is, I'm just not a good speaker. I'm not eloquent. Maybe Moses had a speech impediment. Maybe he had a stutter or he just had this great fear of public speaking. Many of us can relate to that. Moses can't possibly be a spokesman spokesman for God. He can hardly speak for himself. Well, he's already used that excuse in chapter four at the burning bush. He used it again earlier in chapter six. He keeps going back to it. I'm just not a good speaker. I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. That's the reason why I can't be used by you, God. Moses is haunted by the fear that he's inadequate. He's haunted by his own self-doubt. He's haunted by his own self-loathing, his own sense of inability. Friends, does that sound like you? Have you experienced that kind of fear, that kind of self-doubt? We do this all the time. We do this all the time, right? And rather than obeying God, rather than following him as he calls us to serve, right? Rather than believing that God is with us and for us, rather than believing that God will supply all that we need for godliness, all that we need for fruitfulness, all that we need to serve and and obey him, what we do is we look at ourselves. We assess our own strengths. We assess our own weaknesses, right? I mean, think about that. If someone says, hey, we're looking for help at the hospitality team, would you help us greet? Would you help us welcome people on Sundays, right, into our worship, into our family, Maybe you're like, you know what, Um, my Myers-Briggs, first letter, I, introvert, I will, I'm just not wired for that, right? Or maybe we ask you to serve, would you you help out with uh, administration? Would you help out with our finance team? Would you help out with our programs? And you're like, you know what, Myers-Briggs, P, I'm not a J, you do not want me, I'm not organized, right? We think about ourselves, right? We think, oh, I can't serve, I can't serve in youth ministry, I'm married, right? I have kids. I don't have the time. We look at our age. We look at our life stage. We look at our experiences or lack thereof. And and those things, those criteria, we use those to disqualify ourselves from service. There was a great seminar at our marriage seminar. Uh, The speaker said this. He said, yes, it's important to know who you are. Your wiring, your Myers-Briggs, your strength finders, maybe your Enneagram. Those are valuable things. Self-realization is really valuable, really powerful, really important. But he said, don't allow your Myers-Briggs to justify bad behavior. Don't allow your Myers-Briggs to justify, right? Not obeying, not serving, not following God as he leads. That's never an excuse. Never an excuse to remain where you are when God calls you out. This is what Moses was doing. This is what we often do. And although Moses responds to God with his reluctance and his self-doubt, God responds with grace. He responds with assurance. God had every right to say, you know who I am? I'm the creator of the universe. He had every right to pull the authority card and demand Moses' outright allegiance. But God is patient. God is long-suffering. God is gracious. And so he shows Moses a path forward. And he does this in two ways. First, he gives Moses divine authority. He gives Moses divine authority. He says, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And second, he says, you know what? You can't speak. I'm gonna give you a speaker. 
Okay? I've called you to be my prophet, but I'm going to give you Aaron, your brother, and he will be the prophet's prophet. Right? Very interesting, right? So God speaks to Moses. Moses speaks to Aaron. Aaron speaks to Pharaoh. Very inefficient, right? If Moses would just obey, it would have been all good, right? But that's how it was set up. God was that gracious, that kind, right? That's supplying towards Moses so that he would be able to obey. Now, let's look at that first phrase. It's so weird. I have made you like God to Pharaoh. What does this mean? It doesn't mean that God is going to deify Moses. Rather, it means that God has given Moses spiritual authority. Okay, God gave Moses spiritual authority. God will speak to Pharaoh through Moses. God will reveal himself to Pharaoh through Moses. God will defeat Pharaoh through Moses, his servant. Right? Moses, through his staff, Moses, through his word, will command all of these great plagues we're about to learn about okay? to afflict Egypt. Moses will become the mouthpiece of God. He will become the hand of God over Pharaoh, and over Egypt. Reflecting on this passage, uh, the president of Wheaton College, Phil Riken, uh, he writes this. He says, Here we see a great mystery in the Christian life. God has chosen human instruments to carry out his divine work. This was God's plan for the human race from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve were commissioned to rule over the world that God had made. Since our first parents were created in God's image, his deity was expressed in their humanity, and thus they were capable of representing God to the world. Very important. You guys have heard that phrase, the imago Dei, the image of God, okay? All humans, we are created in the image of God. And what this means is he has wired each and every one of us to represent him in this world, right? And so when we say, God, I can't be your messenger, God, I can't be your mouthpiece. God, I can't be your hands and feet. You know what God says? Imago Dei. I have made you for it. I created you for it. I wired you to be able to display and reveal the truth, the grace, the power, the goodness, the justice of God to a world that desperately needs it. Friends, do you believe that? We think we can't serve him because we are inadequate. We think we can't serve him because we're too weak. We're not gifted enough. What God is telling us is, no, you can serve me because I have created you for it. I have wired you for it. I made you in my image. The apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.20, he writes this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what you and I are, friends. We're not just children of God, okay? We're not just sons and daughters of God. We're not just the beloved of God. He calls us his ambassadors, right? We are his representatives. And we are making the appeal of God, the appeal to worship him, the appeal to trust in him, the appeal to serve him, the appeal to know him and be reconciled to him through the bloodshed work of Jesus Christ. We are the ones making that appeal to the lost, to this world, right? Friends, so often, right, how nice would it be if we're just like, man, God, can't you just do everything? Can't you just talk to my parents, right, change their hearts? Can't you just talk to my friend, my neighbor, right, my coworker? Can't you just do a burning bush, right? Just show, you did it with Moses, just do that again, right? We want that, that would be so convenient, but God says, no, 
I want you to. I want you to be my hands and feet. I want you to go into the world and proclaim the gospel. I want you, with your words, with your story, with your gifts, with your life, tell the world and show the world who I am. Make my appeal. Make the appeal of the gospel, right, for me. He uses us. Every Christian man, every Christian woman and child is called to be an ambassador for Christ. And this is a great privilege, guys, great privilege. We aren't called just to enjoy the grace of God for ourselves. We're called to be his ambassadors and represent God to this fallen world. This is a serious responsibility, very serious responsibility. You may be the only genuine Christian that some of your friends and families may know. Their whole understanding of Christianity may depend on your, uh, on your testimony. Just think about that, okay? If you don't tell your friend, if you don't tell your coworker, if you don't tell your family member, parents, if you don't tell your children about Jesus Christ and the gospel, who will? Who will? This summer, like I shared in our uh, prayer time, our team is going to Kyrgyzstan. It's a closed country. It's against the law to preach and share the gospel there. If you're going on that mission trip, I'm praying that you would go with, with desperation, with passion, with a sense of urgency, knowing and believing that the children that you meet in Kyrgyzstan, you might be the only opportunity they, they have to hear and experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a serious commission that God has given us for us to be his ambassadors, for us to be his representatives. Church, let us not shrink from this privilege. Let us not shrink from this calling. How are you living that out in your life today? Okay. Right now, I'm um, really wrestling with how to shepherd our church. Okay. Um, our church has been growing immensely. And the more I talk to people, the more needy, sorry, I'm not gonna call you needy. Uh, the, the more needs that I hear. Oh, I need this. I need more Bible teaching. I need more shepherding. I need more discipleship. I need more pastoral care, right? And um, we only have three pastors on staff. We have over 300 people, right? And as our church is growing, the needs are growing, the wants are growing. But uh, I really believe that as God, that God has called us to be a priesthood of all believers. That it's not just the pastors, that it's not just the deacons, it's not just our officers who are called to be ambassadors for the gospel. It's each and every one of us. He wants to use each and every one of us as his instruments, as his mouthpieces, as his hands and feet to care for one another, to preach to one another, to shepherd one another, to lead one another towards Christ and in Christ. That is the way for us to become a healthy church, right? Not to run our staff ragged and say, hey, you need to meet up with, you know, 50 people a month, right? No, that, that's, that's dysfunctional pastoring in my mind. It's so burdensome, right? My hair's going to turn all gray like that real quick, right? So I want to ask you, right? Are you here as an ambassador or are you here just as a consumer? Do you come to church and say, God, feed me? Pastor Mike, feed me. Pastor David, Pastor Paul, care for me, shepherd me? Or do you realize that God has called you into service? That God has called you to make appeals for Christ, to call one another to be reconciled to God through the bloodshed work 
of Jesus. Each and every one of us has that task. Each and every one of us has that commission. Now, our passage, it closes with an odd twist, a really odd twist. So God calls Moses, and Moses says, but, 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 I'm not a good speaker, right? And then God empowers Moses. He says, I'm going to give you my divine authority. In the previous chapters, we remember the staff. God says, take that staff. What's in your hand? Throw it on the ground. It turns into a snake. Take your hand. Put it in your cloak. Pull it out. Leprosy, right? It's it's just spiritual miracles, right? He says, take some water from the Nile. Pour it on the ground. It's going to turn into blood. I'm going to give you signs and wonders to show Pharaoh that you have divine authority. You're going to be like God to Pharaoh. And even if you're still afraid, and even if you won't speak, I'm going to give you Aaron, your older brother, to be your messenger, to be your mouthpiece. And so you think, okay, Moses, you're ready to go. You're ready to go to confront Pharaoh, to preach God's word, to change his heart and set your people free. But God tells Moses, you know what? After all of that, you know what Pharaoh's going to do? He's not going to listen. His heart's going to be hardened. He's going to reject you. He's going to be angry towards you. He's going to curse you. No matter what you have to say, no matter what Aaron has to say, regardless of the eloquence, regardless of the presentation, regardless of how many miracles Moses performs before Pharaoh, Pharaoh will not listen. He will not let Israel go. Let's read verse 3 to verse 5 again. This is what God says. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Friends, what would you do if God commanded you to do something? Got you all excited? Got you all convicted and ready to obey? And then said, by the way, it's not gonna work. By the way, you're gonna totally flop. I know I, I, you know, I invited you to lead a community group. By the way, they're not gonna show up, right? You're like, what? Right? I know I commanded you, I called you to, yeah, to share the gospel with your parents, but you know what? They're not gonna listen. I know I called you to pray for your children, to raise them up in the Lord, but you know what? They're gonna be little rebels, Right? Not only are they not going to wash their hands, they're not going to pray. They're not going to come to family worship. What would you do? The people that you're trying to reach, if they won't change, and God tells you that, would you still do it? Would you still sign up? Would you still obey? Would you still go? If God called you to go on a mission trip, and he says, by the way, nobody is going to receive the gospel. No one's going to change, right? Would you still go? For those of us who are pragmatists, any pragmatists here, right? That's me. We wouldn't go. That waste of my time, right? Waste of our time, waste of our resources. Why would we buy airplane tickets, like tens of thousands of dollars worth of airplane tickets to go to Kyrgyzstan if nobody's going to change, if nobody's going to repent, if nobody's going to believe in the gospel? In this passage, we see something very important about serving God. We see that the first and foremost, like first and foremost, the changing hearts that the results of Christian ministry, they're in God's hands, not ours. They're in God's hands, not ours. And so if you're serving here today, 
right? Or you're thinking about serving as the summer comes and, and the new year comes. I hope that you would always remember that. What you do, right? Even with the best of intentions, even with the greatest and most detailed preparations, ultimately, the results are in God's hands. Only God can change hearts. Only God can transform lives. But the second thing that we see is that the only thing that matters for us as servants and as, as ambassadors is our faithfulness. Okay? God doesn't call you into service so that you would produce, that your metrics would go up, that you would, you would get all of the results and all of the fruit. That's not the condition that God sets before you. You know what God says? He says, obey me. Be faithful to me. Despite the fact that Pharaoh isn't going to change, God's command to Moses remains. Verse two, you shall speak all that I command you. That's your job. That's your calling. That's your responsibility. That's what matters most between God and Moses. Moses, will you obey? Moses, will you be faithful, right? Whether Pharaoh changes or not, don't worry about that. Your call your commission is unto faithfulness. This is very difficult when it comes to Christian ministry today because we're always looking to quantify ministry. We love to measure metrics. How much? How many? How big? How many clicks did you get? How many likes did you get? Somebody posts on our ANCC Facebook group, right? The, 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 the best posts get the most likes, right? You get some smiley faces. Hopefully you don't get any crying faces. And angry would be weird on our church Facebook site, Right? But that makes us feel good. That makes us feel like we're, we're, like, like we're being fruitful, like people care about what we have to say. We are so tied to, to success with a worldly definition. Um, in the church, this is so true. Every time I meet a pastor and they ask me about All Nations Community Church, they say, oh, where is it? And I say, Sunland, where's that? Right? And the second question is, how big are you? How big are you? Uh, even with the Korean church, I love our partnership with ANC Unity, right? I have no conflict with them, zero conflict, right? Uh, elders, deacons, I just bow, shake hands, and whatever. But I know one thing, okay? Uh, and this is not just being judged. It's just human nature. I know they appreciate me, and I know they respect me because we've been growing, okay? Our numbers have been growing. Our offering has been growing, right? Our engagement has been growing. And so when the metrics are up, thumbs up right? We're good. We're like, oh man, ANCC must be flourishing because the metrics are up. And I have to guard my heart. I have to guard my heart every day, right? Every quarter, every meeting that I have. And I have to make sure, right, that what qualifies me as a servant of God isn't the metrics. And they're not the likes. And it's not the approval of man. It's the question, will Jesus look upon me, my life and my ministry, and say, well done, good, and what? Faithful servant. That's the commendation of Christ. That's what Jesus is looking for in me. That's what Jesus is looking for in you as you and I serve him. Well done, good and faithful servants. Brothers and sisters, um, in the Old Testament, there's this prophet named Haggai. And um, God called Haggai to be a prophet, not before foreign gods, not before foreign nations, right? Like Moses went to Pharaoh. But um, God called Haggai to go to Israel. But Israel was in a real bad place. They were really rebellious. They were really stubborn and proud. And God tells Haggai in his call, says, don't be afraid of them. 
fear not. Whether they listen or fail to listen, you son of man, you obey me. And he repeated that over and over in Haggai's call. Whether they listen or fail to listen, you obey me. For all of you here today who are serving Christ and you're tired and you're discouraged and you're thinking about quitting, all right, not because you don't believe in the ministry anymore, not because you don't love God anymore, but you're just discouraged because you're not getting the results. You're not seeing the fruit. You're not seeing the change. You're not getting the love that you want for what you're doing. I want to encourage you. It is never a waste to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. It's never a waste to sacrifice for him. It's never a waste to follow him, whether they listen or fail to listen. May you and I obey. Obey our God. Obey our Lord. Would you consider Jesus Christ the son of God, the greatest preacher, the greatest miracle worker to ever walk and live on our earth. Jesus, after he preached on the meaning of communion, he taught, he had this huge crowd before him and he told them, if you wanna be connected to me, if you wanna live life in the kingdom of God, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You know what the crowd did? they left. Many departed after that sermon. Imagine that. Imagine after today's sermon, none of y'all come back, right? I'd be, oh, right. They stopped following him because Jesus Christ spoke the truth of God. Jesus Christ was faithful to the end, despite his followers abandoning him, despite his disciples scattering as he stood before Pontius Pilate, as he stood trial before the Sanhedrin, all of his disciples, his beloved disciples, they abandoned him and left. And Jesus was faithful to the end. He set his eyes upon the Father and he obeyed his will all the way to the cross. And because of Jesus's faithfulness to his Father's command, he has brought us all into glory. He was able to save and ransom us by his bloodshed work. That is what faithfulness produces. When we are faithful to God, not faithful to ourselves, not faithful to our giftings, not faithful to our preferences and passions, when we are faithful to God, we are able to see God himself at work in our lives, in our families, and in our church. And that's what we see in our passage. God says, Moses, I'm gonna harden Pharaoh's heart and he's not gonna listen to you. But the purpose is this, because I'm going to break his heart. I'm gonna break his will. I'm gonna break his pride with my own hand. By my mighty hand, not yours, Moses, by my mighty hand, not Pharaoh's mercy, right? By my mighty hand, Israel would be saved. Brothers and sisters, may that be our goal in ministry as we serve, that we would reflect the might and the power and the work of God. That's my desire for all nations community church. That people would say, oh, Michael's doing a good job. Or our servant leaders are doing such a great job. That's why this church is so healthy. Would people be able to say, God is at work. God's mighty hand is at work in our church, in our ministry, in this community, and to the ends of the earth. May we be faithful unto our Lord, and may we see him redeeming and working in us.
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and grace towards us. And I pray right now that you, by your Holy Spirit, would strengthen our hearts. Help us to persevere. Lord, every single one of us has experienced failure. Failure as we've tried to serve you. Failure as we've tried to glorify you and to care for others and reach others. And those failures have stung. They've hurt us and they've wounded us. But God, I pray that those failures wouldn't keep us from faithfulness. Instead, help us to realize that, Lord, you're a God who uses broken and weak vessels. That in fact, in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. Help us to to live that out in our lives. Give us courage to obey you. And help us to remember, Lord, that you're always with us. That you don't just call, commission, and send. God, you empower us. You've created us. You've fearfully and wonderfully crafted us in your image to be able to do this work of ministry, to be your ambassadors, to be vessels and beacons of hope and life and reconciliation to this world. So God, call us out. Convict us again to offer our lives as living sacrifices. Open our hearts. Open our schedules. Allow us to offer ourselves to be used by you again and to believe that that's good, to believe that that is life-giving, to believe, Lord, that that satisfies our soul. And so, Lord, help us to persevere. Help us to be faithful. And may each and every one of us hear those sweet words of Jesus at the end of our days. Well done, good and faithful servant. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.